Welcome, everyone, to the Five Solas Podcast. I am your host, James Watkins. So we just finished up our Tulip series for the month of April. I hope that you guys were edified by the series. I hope that you enjoyed the awesome guests that we had on. We are going to be doing more monthly series like our Tulip series, but the month of May is going to get things back to normal for us. But we still have some awesome things in the works, and I'll tell you about that a little bit later. So moving into today, I've made mention several times that I was saved in a very dangerous church. I haven't gone into great detail on it. I will at some point, but God graciously saved me in a very Pentecostal, charismatic, prosperity gospel church. You look online and you find person after person that's had a similar experience. Maybe they have come out of a cult or false gospel such as Mormonism, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Roman Catholicism, whatever it may be. So what I wanted to do was find some of these people. I wanted to bring them on and let's talk about their conversion, their turning from the cults and false gospels. And today, I am honored to have with me a brother in Christ, a fellow podcaster. Joining me today is Jamal Bandy of the Prescribed Truth Podcast. Great to have you, Jamal. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Jamal, I'm excited to have you on because I think you and I are going to have some similarities in our background. But before we go into that, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about your podcast, any other ministry work, and anything else that we should know. All right. Uh, Thank you for once again. Thank you for having me on again. It's it's an honor to be here. Uh, So like I said, my name is Jamal Bandy. Um, I have a YouTube channel. That's where my ministry began at um, YouTube called Prescribed Truth. Um, and from there, I branched into podcasting, and that, and that podcast called the Prescribing Truth Podcast, where I do podcasts every every week. I'm married, one wife, <laughs> my beautiful wife, Janae, and I have two boys of six and 19 months. And I've been doing Prescribed Truth about two years now, a little over two years, and podcasting for only about a little yes, less than a year, about 10 months. And so that's, that's a little bit about myself. About myself. Um, I've been Christian since 2013 and prior to that i've had um, a few church experiences <laughs> which i need to say and that's why you're here man that is why you are here so before any episode that i do i do my homework i like to be as prepared as possible so i went to jamal's website for prescribing truth prescribedtruth.com and i was very encouraged by his mission statement and jamal I hope you don't mind me reading it no no not at all uh, says the goal of prescribed truth is to assist in equipping those who may have bought into false doctrine in churches under the banner of Christianity while standing on the Bible to refute false ideologies, which seek to bring confusion into what Christians ought to believe and live. And within that mission statement is found the very purpose of this episode. Those who have bought into false doctrines in churches posing under the banner of Christianity. Here's the thing. We as believers love apologetics. We love defending the faith against the atheists <laughs> and the agnostics, even the Muslims. But I think a lot of times we fail to realize the importance of apologetics against those who are buying into false doctrines under the banner of Christianity. Mm. How many times do we hear something along the lines of Christians can't even get on the same page as far right. as what they believe? They differ in belief on everything. That's why there's so many different sects and denominations. Okay, well, darn it, you got us. 2,000 years (laughs) plus of church history, you finally got us. Not really. You see, there are primary issues, deity of Christ, friends, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, etc. That just simply cannot be compromised. 
And if these essential issues are compromised, that's just false doctrine using the banner of Christianity. Right. So, Jamal, I want to open the floor up for you. Tell us, first of all, what is the cult slash false gospel that you were under? Okay, so the, the cult that I was in, and I call it a cult because the, the leader of the particular church, um, he ruled, or I say ruled, I do mean it that way, that he used manipulation over his flock. Our church consisted of a lot of young people. Um, I think at the time I was just turned 20, and the oldest member at the other than the pastor was about 30, was about 20, 28, 27. Wow. And so um, other than that, you know, him himself was 33. And so um, the church was under apostolic Pentecostalism, uh, but it was, it, it, was diff- it was a different branch. You know, he did his own thing. He, he was kind of a, a rogue, if, you, if you'll say. Yeah. Um, he, would, he would have people um, who he would consider to be over him who would hold him accountable, but that was it, like, you know, what they call coverings. But he was his own, his own deal. You know, but uh, we used to listen to a lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with a lady named Mother Boyd or, anything, or anybody no. like that. You familiar, are you familiar with Mother I Boyd? What? I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't done too much work on it, but I have heard the name and I have I listened to a little bit of, uh, a little bit of the work. So I have oh, a, a pinch of familiarity. You are the first. You the first one that I, I spoke really? to that knew a little bit about Mother Boy, and so like, and so you so you get where I'm coming from. Then yeah, like, I do. And she was like the bomb. Like back then, it's like, oh man, we followed everything she had to say. Like we listened to everything, all her old videos. She was just a mother, and so he would follow close to her. But like he said, he did his own thing, and he used manipulation to kind of to guide his flock. Um, and so without going into too much detail right there, but that's kind of where we was at. And so the Pentecostal Apostolic section, the Charismatic prosperity, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, his was mostly was wanting us to look at him and view him as the, the um, go between, between us and God. He right. was that, he was the mediator. And that's where I think it became very cultish. Right. So it sounds a lot like a, uh, an incredibly charismatic Pentecostal Roman Catholic church. And since he is, <laughs> as mediator, but how long were you in that particular setting? Not that long, honestly. It was um, I. I joined the church in two thousand nine, and I think I remember it being around April two thousand nine. And he, I'm sorry, he passed away October two thousand ten. And that's where the church split. And so, um, yeah, about um, almost yeah, about a year and some change. About that's about it. Less than two years, a little less than two years. Yeah. So I, eventually, at some point, I'm going to get a little bit more in depth on the the church that I was in, but we had a very similar background with it. The church was, there was no leadership really in place to hold the pastorate accountable. You know, that can lead to a slippery slope as far as like funds and all go. Mm. Uh, but we, I was saved for maybe six months and I started reading the scriptures and I start seeing, uh, you know, within the church, you're hearing all this prosperity, health, wealth, success, fulfillment of all your dreams and desires. But I'm reading the book of Acts and I'm seeing Stephen get stoned. And then I'm seeing the uh, disciples, the apostles rejoicing because they were deemed worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. Like, Something is a little off here. So I completely get the whole thing with the whole manipulation. Uh, now, how long did it take you? to begin to realize the errors and the lies in this setting. What led to that? I know you said the pastor's death. Is that whenever? It- yeah. Like, um, so, so prior to his death, it was, um, I say about a, f- a couple of weeks prior to where I started to notice some things weren't as right. Um, a matter of fact, it was funny. Um, I was confronted by a lady. I never forget. I was working at office max at the time and this lady come to me and uh, she, she, she saw my character and was like, Oh, you you seem like a nice Christian guy and everything. And, 
And uh, she was like, what church you go to? And I told her the name of the church. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, and, and the kind of church we was, was that we defended our pastor like hard. Like, yeah. you know, we were like, we'd be ready to fight and go to blows. And so like for this woman to say that, I, was, I looked at her, I was like, watch your mouth, woman. I, I literally said that to her and her mother. And um, and it was like, oh, he's just too far gone. That was the first time I ever, that was the first time I was encountered by somebody who told me something negative about the church and yeah. the pastor. Um, when I started to realize it myself was, was later on, but he, the manipulation was so deep. Like I literally believed that he still was the mouthpiece of God. And that even though I saw some things weren't right as far as how things were operating and what we were doing, it was like to come against him would be coming against God. And so it's like, I, it's like, literally, I felt like I could not leave yeah. and it, it would be no point. And then um, his passing away is actually what broke the church free. You know, um, I, and, I, and sometimes I, I like to think that if he would have stayed living, then we probably would have still been there. And uh, 2013 was the time I first heard the gospel. So up until that point, I don't know if I would have been there had he lived through that. Right. You know. So it sounds a, it sounds a lot like uh, what's used in these heavily Pentecostal charismatic churches touch, not God's anointed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a kind of a foundation in place here, a little bit of backstory for Jamal. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with you. Hey, I'm Daryl and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the host of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. The podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Five Solos Podcast. This is James Watkins, still here with Jamal Bandy. We're talking about his background uh, coming out of a cult. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. And Jamal, I really want to know, I know that the pastor passing away was kind of a, a turning point for the church and even for you. But what really led to your eyes being open to the falsehoods that were within that particular church? Yeah, so um, a few things. So um, during that time prior to his passing, uh, he, would, he got into um, alcoholism. Uh, he started to go back into doing drugs and we didn't notice as a church, but we could tell in his main rooms was different. Uh, we tell something was off his attitude towards us uh, was just real bad. I remember um, I lived with him for a time. I, I didn't mention that. And that's, and <laughs> that goes a lot into manipulation. Like, and I'm sorry, kind of going into this a little bit, but I got to give a, a back piece here. He taught, like I mentioned earlier that we were a young church, you know, a lot of us are young people and therefore we had issues with our families as well. Um, our parents could notice that we that something was off about this church, but we were so indefensive that we wouldn't listen. And so it came to my own family. Um, I was living with my parents at the time, and it, he told us, he, this is how he used scripture. He told me, well, because my parents were against me coming to church, they're against me coming to God. And so he would use it, he would use the scripture um, for Jesus where uh, Mary and his brother would come to seek Jesus while he was with his uh, disciples. And Jesus said, well, who is my mother, and my brother, but then to do the will of the Lord. Mm. And uh, so he would use that scripture to us kids, us people who, when I say kid, even though I was 20, but he used that to us who were having problems with our parents and say, well, if your parents are against this, then who are they? You right. know, who, who are they? they? You know, but then to do with the Lord. And so I would, you know, go back home, tell my parents that, you know, 
hey, this, this is what the man of God said, you know, and I ended up leaving my, leaving my parents' house and living with him for a year. So it was spiraled to me, um, realizing there were some falsehoods here and my eyes being opened was while living with him, I got to see a lot of who he was outside of the church, you know, and um, not saying that everything was bad, but it was, it was enough. I got kicked out of his house because I didn't take care of his dog correctly. And that's really what it was. And when I got kicked out of his home, I went to try to live with another brother who was in church and he called that brother and told him not to let me stay because, because he kicked me out. I shouldn't stay with him either. Wow. And, and him being you know loyal to the pastor put me out as well. And thankfully, even though me and my parents was having, um, we were in bad blood at the time, my dad, he was thankful just the fact I wasn't living with him no more. So he helped me get my first place. And that's what, and me being distant from the pastor at that point, me coming from under his roof actually would help me be a lot more distant from him. So when he started getting into the drugs and all those things, I wasn't around. And so when he passed, I began to, you know, especially when everything started coming out as far as what was going on in the church, the, the behind the scenes and everything else, I began to question God. I felt like this was a church I need to be in because prior to I was agnostic. So it was like, you know, why do I even believe in God and so on and so forth? Yeah. But what came to my mind was that this Bible, you know, even though he was reading this Bible and using this scripture to manipulate us, doesn't mean the Bible itself is wrong. Right. You know, right. and so I, as I began to read the scriptures for myself, and I don't think I was saved at the time at all, but as I began to read the Bible, I think I was reading Proverbs, and I, I began to read in Proverbs how it talks about how we put, shouldn't put trust in man, and, you know, and, and all those things, I started seeing how we was trusting man. Uh, we were idolizing him. We did idolize him. And I began to see all the falsehoods there, uh, even when it came to tithing. We would be taught that we would be so cursed if we didn't give a tenth, we didn't give a first fruit offering and all those things. And I remember one time I didn't give a tithe and it was on purpose. I, I, was, I was visiting a church and now that he's dead, I, I'm not a part of any church. And so I'm not giving any tithe. And though I didn't give a tithe and I was just free will giving. And I remember, <laughs> and I remember the Lord still sustained us, you know, yeah. um, and he, he still sustained us. And I realized that that was teaching was false that we'll be cursed and nothing would go right if we didn't tie. And I was like, oh, man. And so that was the first thing I saw. And then uh, as far as trusting him and, you know, his words, because we did see him. We did literally go to him for everything. Like, you want to be in a relationship with someone, he had, you had to go to him and he had to go to God on your behalf. You wanted to make a business decision. You wanted to go to school. You wanted to, you know, where you wanted to work. You would talk to him and you could sow seed and he would pray, you know, and, and come back to you and see what and, and tell you what thus says the Lord. You know, and that's and that's how deep it was. So life without him, I remember um, the day he passed, he died in the accident. And I remember going up the road uh, when I found out we traveled the road. And one of the other brothers that was in a church with me, um, he was crying. and He was like, Jamal, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do now? Now that now that he's dead, you know, who's who's going to go before? Who's going to go to God for us? And who's going to do this? And I like literally. And as he's saying these things, I'm already kind of figured out that everything was a, a, a farce. But it's like, you know, what do I say to this this guy now? He's broken, yeah. you know. It was crazy. He literally, and, it, and I think what um one thing he did tell us, and this kind of when he died was kind of like the, the thing that hit everybody because he used to always tell us that, you know, he won't die. He's like, um he said he died at one point. He said he died at one point and, and God brought him back to life. And so every time he would prophesy, he would say, if I, if God don't do it, I won't preach no more. And he said, and then he said, God, you know, I'll be dead. That's what he's about, I won't preach no more. He'll die. And so now he's dead. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Like he's, he's gone, you know, in a, in a tragic way, you know, nonetheless. And it's like, wow. Like he, like, was he telling the truth? Like he must've been lying. Cause now he's dead. 
you know, and it was, it was, it was crazy that, that the church split, the, the, the after effect of the church splitting was detrimental to everybody. People, of course, you know, left the, the idea of going to church at all after that, not trusting any pastor. Uh, some went to other churches, still false churches, just not as bad as he was. As far as me, and I would just read the word and then I would uh, eventually find myself going to another church, a false, another bad church, <laughs> you know, bad teaching. But but if, I think at that point, the Lord began to grow me just more in the word. The more I began to grow in the word, the more I began to see. And the effects of being in that cult um, lasted for a long time. I, even now, I still feel the effects of the teachings from that cult. Um, I might have to remind myself when it came to relationships, how I do, uh, even when it comes to myself, like um, that year of being in the church, we tried to, like the guys, we idolized him. We wanted to be like him. We wanted to be him. We changed the way we dressed. We changed the way we walked, how we carried ourselves, our, you know, our identity, what made us who we are. And it like it's it's been a journey piecing those piecing that puzzle back together, you know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I don't I don't think people realize how damaging uh, this can be on a personal level. Now, I, we were only in the church that we were in, my wife and I, we were only in the church for roughly six to eight months. And I remember whenever whenever it finally hit me just how wrong it was, I remember just just the anger and the resentment that filled me yeah, just, just yeah. the feeling of I have been lied to this entire time. And the part that got me is they had started telling me that they believed that I was being called to, to ministry, that I was being called to pastor it and that they wanted to train mm. me. And I remembered mm. being so angry because I'm sitting here realizing the falsehoods within that church. And in my mind, I'm like, they would have been training me up in the same falsehoods to deceive other people. Oh yeah. So, you know, praise God that you come out of that. But what happened once you realized those falsehoods, what did you ever talk to any of the old members about it? Uh, Cause with us, it caused a, it caused a few broken relationships whenever we really come to the truth of the, of what the scriptures were actually saying. Oh, did yeah. you have a similar experience? I mentioned this on my um, on my channel as well. Um, so during this church, I got after this church, I got married, and I got uh, now I'm now me and her are now divorced, but I did get married, and, it, and this whole issue plays a point into that, and uh, and it goes into me talking to other people too. So um, I got married, so she, me and her both went to this church together, and we would go to the pastor and ask him for guidance and prayer and sowing seed and all that kind of stuff. After he passed, we were before he passed, we were living together. And so, you know, which there was no accountability. We weren't looking for it and all that kind of stuff. We were we get, in the same boat. My, my wife and I at the time, we were boyfriend, girlfriend. We were living together and no one ever rebuked us, called us to correction or anything. So, but, that, but that was my rebellion. Me living with her before he passed was my rebellion and what I was dealing with in, while I was with this church, you know, because um, the put, it's kind of like my pushback. Like I, I had my own place, but, but, you know, I knew that he would disapprove and, I knew some stuff that he was doing that wasn't right. And it was kind of like my pushback when it came to this, everything, everybody knew, like I said, there was a lot of stuff that's going on. You got drug use. You had the, um, and I, and I, um, there was some, it was sexual immorality, all those things going on with the pastor. And it was a circle of people, not, you know, it wasn't everybody in the church. It was a pastor. And he had this close circle. Sorry if you hear that noise, my 19 month old making his presence. Known. <laughs> that is fine. And so he, you know, he had his close circle. And so people were mostly hurt after he passed, when everything came out, everything that he did that was in the dark came to the light. And so when, when that happened, most of the other lay members was like, why nobody said anything to us? Like, why nobody told us? And so now for, there was now a broken trust between the ex-members when everything, when everything split. 
um, the quote unquote elder at the time, he would, he would wanted to start the church or continue the church on, but nobody was coming back to that. Yeah. And, um, and he noticed that. And so eventually he gave up, you know, and he himself was caught up, but he, you know, he came out of that beforehand too. It's just, you know, everybody was kind of being awakened at the wrong time seemed to be. And the church, they didn't, dis- they, they didn't trust anybody. There was no trust. Um, those who did click up, you know, it didn't last long. As I began to grow in the word myself and go to different churches, um, I would become more distant to other members. It's, you know, and I, it wasn't be, it wasn't be because me, this is myself, but they would be distant. Right. And, um, and so, because and my next church I would go to would be the brother of the pastor's church. And nobody, and because of how we were taught, you know, this uh, idea of family curses and um, uh, uh, what they call generational curses and everything else, because the pastor that died was so bad, they felt the brother would be just as bad. So why'd you go to the brother's church, you know? <laughs> and so, so I went there to him. And so because of that alone, people distanced themselves from me, and, you know, in my family at the time. But when like I say it led to me getting married because like it's, it's all I knew. I felt like he, you know, he said that this was God. He was like, Hey, this is God. We're living together. So we need to you know. And I was like, well, I don't want to shack up anymore. when we married A, B, and C. We did so. And so when I say how to teach and affect, um, affect us and how we deal with other people. As, as, I, as time is going on and we're, we're reaching out to people, people don't want to, they don't want to talk about the, the church. You know, they don't want to deal with it. Even like I say, even my, my last marriage, my ex-spouse, she didn't want to deal with it. Uh, we, we couldn't talk about the pain of it, the hurt of it. Cause, and, it, and that, man, it, and it's funny because over time, I didn't even realize what I went through or what we went through was even a traumatic, what we considered a traumatic experience. You know, yeah. just, we just was in a bad, a bad place. It's, it's amazing how that just lingers on with you, right, over time. <laughs> right. And the teachings, the teachings of the church and how it affected even in my marriage, this idea of being birthed out, that everything that you're dealing with is a spirit, you know, a demon. You know, if, you, if, you're, if, if there's uh, lack of communication in your marriage, it's, it's somebody, got, somebody got a bad spirit. Yeah, somebody, somebody got a demon. You need to be casted out. Somebody need to... You mean behind every bush, right? Right. <laughs> you need to um, get the oil out, you know. <laughs> and um and man so yeah everybody from the church kind of split um you had people go further into drugs and so on and so forth and then it, it kind of I guess the pain of that was as I began to grow in the word over time and then people kind of going their own route the, it was convicting or I guess condemning you would say they would come around me or others that were trying to you know keep on the path of saying hey you know what I know this church was bad but this cannot be all it is right you know and um you know and that's how that's how relationships was. Now over now, current day, I've been I still got close relationships with a couple people who were in the church with us um, during that time, um, and, and some of them still is still distant. I've actually been trying to reach out to them. I, there's a there's a book I want to write concerning my experience in that cult, but I really want to reach out to those other brothers and sisters and stuff like that. I tried to over Facebook, um, and they they're okay with me. They just don't want to talk about that. You yeah. know, let's let's not just talk about that. Now, what I noticed in the church that I come out of, because I was teaching a small group whenever the realization started hitting me that 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 there are some serious issues and troubles and lies within this church. I yeah. started teaching a small group and it was amazing just how how fast it started to all click with me. And I remember we had a group of probably right around eight to 12 people. Uh, including myself and my wife, 
And I remember that in the small group, instead of it being more along the lines of, because it was one of the pastors teaching it at first, mm-hmm. and he, uh, he got caught up in business or something, so he passed the group off to me. Mm-hmm. And we went from this health, wealth, success, fulfillment of your dreams and your desires to me teaching doctrine. And the second that I started teaching any kind of doctrine whatsoever, there was rebellion. And now looking back at it, you know, there's a, there, there is a little bit of a theological aspect to salvation. The spirit guides us into all truth. Mm -hmm. So I kind of see what I was dealing with there is, is there were just so many false converts. The church used to just bask in the amount of baptisms that they have. We've had 560 baptisms in the last two years. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. but you have a church of about 200 and something people. Where are all these people going? Why aren't they still remaining within the church? What is it? There's an underlying issue here. Right. Now, how did, and you kind of alluded to this, um, and I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that this is, it's a really traumatic experience. A lot of people refer to it as being church hurt, but it really goes beyond that. I mean, it really affects you within your soul, especially as a new believer. Right, And I had people that were helping me along the way. I was fortunate in that. But how did your realization of the errors and the lies affect you on that, like uh, on an emotional level? Uh, and I, did, I did mention this um, a little bit earlier as far as me getting, getting married. And man, in, the, in, in that marriage, I, I, I was telling anybody this now. I'm thankful I'm, I'm now married again to my wife, Janae, but I, I tell anybody, the, not knowing the truth of the gospel, if I didn't, if I would have known that better, then it would have helped me emotionally, definitely emotionally in my marriage. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea, especially under the teaching I was in, the um, the man, not only, we know men, men lead their homes, they're head of the homes, so on and so forth. But this teaching was more of a, a barbaric type male, like, hey, you know, I'm man, you know. Yeah. And, alpha. And that, alpha, you know, like you do not, you do not disobey me. And then you got, I had a wife who was like, uh, you're going to be disobeyed. <laughs> and, and so it's like not knowing how to navigate compassion, patience, and um, all those, in, in any of those areas. And then not knowing, and like I said, thinking these things were spirits, not, not thinking that this is sin, even in her or in myself, you know, and not acknowledging that anything I'm dealing with may be sinful or just, just sins I'm dealing with. It's just, man, just spirit is on me. And so, and, and so that affected me a lot. Over, over the course of time and to the point I end up leaving. Like I end up leaving, you know, I, I couldn't understand, you know, what else to do. You know, um, there's no, there's no deliverance. You know, there's no, um, no freeing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laying hands. I'm, I'm got this oil. I'm, I'm, I'm putting oil on the doorposts and on the walls and nothing's changing, you know, and even in myself, I'm, I keep crying out. I keep spitting up and, and all this purging, and yet I still deal with anger and this, this unforgiveness and this bitterness. It won't go away. You know, it, it, all these things are happening. And so now I, I'm thinking like, man, like, what's going on? I'm doing what I think is right or, you know, what I'm supposed to do. And nothing's working. And I remember a brother of mine, uh, Baron, he, re- he was reaching out to me. Now, he's a, you know, he's a Christian brother. And he, uh, he would reach out to me. And I would tell him what I was dealing with in my marriage and stuff. He would try to encourage me to fight and keep going. But I wasn't trying to hear that. It's just like, man, I didn't know you to understand what forgiveness was, you know, just yeah. just the concept. And so after the divorce and when it was finalized, and that year, matter of fact, in 2013 is when my divorce was finalized. And that same year, I would hear the gospel for the first time. 
And real in realizing that now my ex-wife, she moved pretty fast. So by the end of that year, she had already gotten remarried. <laughs> <laughs> and so by that by October, by October, November of that year, of that same year, I basically like sitting, this gospel was hitting on me. And I come to realization of how messed up and jacked up my thinking was. Yeah. And I knew where it, I knew where it come from. I knew and I was like, and I realized that, man, like this was, this wasn't a spirit. This wasn't a spirit. This was my own selfishness. This was her own selfishness. This was, this was like, like this is sin, you know? And now it's, it can't go back to that, you know, yeah. it's too late. And so it's like, I even called her, I remember calling her up and apologizing to her, repenting and um, asking for her to forgive me. And um, I never thought I'd do that, <laughs> you know, but just realizing how emotionally torn I was dealing with that, you know, the grieving. Um, when he died, when the pastor died, um, he didn't, he, it wasn't just him who passed. So in, it, in the accident, I mean, I got to give, give this, because this gives some emotional uh, point to this too. When he passed, it was a, a church van accident. So it wasn't just him. Um, they were on a, the church was on the road to Florida for a preaching engagement that he had. I had to work that day. Um, it was on a Sunday um, afternoon. So when the church, the church van flipped, the tire busted, the church van flipped, four people died. The pastor along with three other people. His daughter was one of them included. And one of the people who passed away was a close friend of mine, like a brother, a little brother of mine, who was one of the people I actually invited to the church. And it was funny during that time, he was actually kind of like in a rebellious stage. Like he wasn't trying to go to the church like that. He wasn't trying to keep up with what the church was doing. And we was getting on to him. We was like, man, you need to be with the pastor. You need to be with the pastor. And, and when we travel, you need to be going. You need to be, you know, what you doing, man? So this was a Sunday. He was actually just trying to do things right. He, in his mind, he was like, hey, uh, okay, you know, church went out of town. You know, make sure I'm there too. And he sung on the praise team. And so he was headed out of town. And so for that to happen, for him for, to lose him, and I'm sorry if I get a little emotional talking about that, the, uh, it hit hard because, like, now – I, for these for these years afterwards, I'm also dealing with the fact that I happen to be part of leading someone into a bad church, and so that, that so therefore that's emotionally I'm angry, um, I'm hurt, um, that I feel betrayed, then I feel like I betrayed someone else, you know, in the fact that I'm leading him there, and now my marriage is in shambles, I'm divorced, single, and um, I don't know what to do with this hurt, I don't know what to do with this pain. It won't go away. You know, now at this time, in 2013, it'd been two years or some change since it happened, and I'm still grieving. And so, um, and, you know, people are, being, are still distant. So, yeah, it, um, it, it definitely took its toll over time emotionally. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's really, and the, the way that it sounds, man, is that's really only one of the things that Christ can heal. Uh, so how does that, um, obviously at that point in time, very, very traumatic. Now you have been blessed with that heart of stone being transformed into a heart of flesh, new eyes to see, new ears to hear. How does it affect you now? Uh, what What's the mindset that you have towards it now that you've been a, that recipient of that grace? Oh, man. Oh, so... <clears throat> I look at it and I do, <laughs> I do believe um, I'm, I'm, I'm reformed. And I'm not saying it's because, um, you know, I learned the doctrines of grace and any kind of stuff like that prior to, and I, I'm saying that now, uh, I, I begin to read the word. I remember reading in John six was all that the father gives me will come to me and I'll raise him up at the last day. And I remember um, reading that. And um, I was reading John chapter 10 when Jesus says all that, he says, all my sheep, they will come to me. And I give them eternal life. 
and um and I and no one can snatch them out of my hand and so on and so forth. And I begin to think about it's like, man, like if this is true, that means everything that I went through, like if I'm truly in Christ and everything that I went through wasn't a mistake. Yeah. Like it, it like it, it wasn't, man, like like this was just a wicked thing that like God just let this happen. Like, like no, like all this was working worked for my good. Yeah. And for any other people in that church who would come to know Christ, it, it worked for our good. Whereas before I had this, this idea of church, which is like, I don't you know, don't want to talk about it. It's shame. Um, how can I be fooled like that? How could I give in to some, some mess like that and believe that stuff? And I heard people say, Jamal, like, like, why would you, like, how could you, like, how could you believe that? You know, and I was like, I don't know. Like, it's been, you know, manipulation is, is crazy. Power you know? of deception and yeah. living in a fallen world. Yeah, that's, it's it's wild what you what your mind will go to when it's when it's onto its own devices. Seeing all that, and it's like, man, I'm just, just realizing, man, I don't deserve it. Especially thinking about that day when they went out of town, like I I could have been there. Yeah, and I started thinking about like, man, by God's grace, like I wasn't on that van, and I could have been there, and I and I could have been the last day for me, you know. And I was like, man, it's like God is gracious, you know. Even after even after going through that, the changes that my life took. Since then, with the relationships and everything else, God is still faithful. Like um, me coming to hear the gospel message, like I would have come to realize my own sin and my own guilt, my own shame actually caused me to actually find a place where I can actually forgive the pastor. It's like, you know, whereas like if he was still living, I could honestly say that I wouldn't be ill towards him. You know, realizing that he's a broken sinner and he was a broken sinner you know, beyond what we can understand. Like he was like, and looking back at his life, um, at the years later, I began to do more, just think more about his life and who he was. He had issues with this family, which kind of went into showing how he would encourage us to have issues with our family, how this gospel, this false gospel he believed in caused him to think that, hey, he can just solve his problems by being birthed out or beating him on the floor or being purged. He, and he needed a spiritual covering and all of that versus trusting in Jesus. And I'm not excusing his own sin in the midst of that, you know, but that just shows when it comes to his teaching and how he was a pastor. It's just like it gave me an understanding. And it was through the gospel, me me understanding the truth of the gospel, they showed me or helped me to uh, have grace or feel forgiveness and compassion towards that pastor. And, and so, yeah, so it, it was amazing, man. I, I'm always still blown away. Um, every now and again, I think about that time, um, how it was then, how I was then. I remember during that time I was in that church, the conversation I had with people. How I consider how I considered myself sharing God with people, like telling people they need to repent and you know they need to go, they need to come to our church, they need to you know be filled with the Holy Spirit and so on and so forth, and, you know, and all those things. And think about how arrogant I was, and you know, towards people, you know, and made people just made people feel like they couldn't be around me. So now, when I go and share the go- share the gospel with them, now they some of them they still uh, remember the old Jamal when I would come and try to tell them about God, how y'all, how what they need to do and all that kind of stuff like that, like their works can save them. Whereas now they hear the gospel and it's like, yes, we're still calling people to return from sin and put their trust in Christ, but it's so much more gracious. And then understanding that it's the Lord who saves, you know, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not, it's not in us. It's, it's in him and only in him. So it, it just changed a lot of my approach and how I view things. And, you know, I think one of the one of the hardest realizations for me whenever I come out is that I had no idea what the gospel was when I was in that church. My idea of the gospel was love God, love people. I thought that Mm -hmm. that's what the gospel was. I thought that the gospel was simply getting people to come into the church so they could hear a feel good message. And then they would walk the aisle. They would accept Christ and everything Mm -hmm. would be great. So, I mean, it, it really does show you your ignorance in that. Uh, my ignorance was just so 
I, I was so naive in thinking that that's what the gospel was. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to take a commercial break, but with the topic that we're on right now is I do want to tell you about a book that you can get that can help you out in identifying cults. It can tell you what these people believe. It is called What Do They Believe? It is written by Andrew Rappaport, and it is a phenomenal resource. Strivingforeternity.org, you can get the book there. He also has another book, What Do We Believe? A Systematic Theology of the Christian Faith. But What Do We Believe? is going to detail what Mormons believe, Jehovah's Witnesses believe, about essential doctrines within the Christian faith, and also what they believe regarding things such as salvation. So if you are interested in this, if you are within one of these cults. If you are within Mormonism, and do not get me wrong, Mormons are some of the most sincere people that I have ever talked with in my life. Please, please, for the sake of your soul, heed the warnings that you hear on this podcast and other areas, other resources. Get the book. See exactly what the gospel of grace is. And you're going to hear that gospel of grace before we sign off today. And speaking of this Gospel of Grace, something that the Five Souls podcast is doing is I am sick and tired of the gospel being watered down. Mm. That is why I wanted such a reformed, focused name that whenever people see it, they know that the gospel is not going to be compromised. We present the gospel every single week. I don't care if it's Christians listening, Mormons listening. I don't care. You're going to hear the gospel. But what we are doing is we are making a reformed gospel track lineup. Uh, we are starting with the Five Solas gospel track lineup. I have already released the pictures of these. We are doing a few minor edits on it, but you can see it on the Five Souls Podcast Facebook page. These will be available soon. As most of you know, we are the owners of Grace Alone Witness Apparel as well. We are merging that into the Five Souls Podcast, and we will have the 5S Ministries coming soon. Excited about that. The tracks look awesome. I hope you guys will go and check them out. So let's get back into this just a little bit, Jamal. What would you say to those who were caught up in similar lies. I would encourage anyone to read the scriptures for yourself. Don't trust in what you've been told, what you you may hear on a Sunday sermon. Read the scriptures, read them. And one thing I was, we was taught before, like, they, they, just like, um, sort of like Jehovah's Witnesses, discourage private Bible studies. You're like, this, this is what we were in. You know, anytime you read the Bible on your own, it's like you was incapable of understanding on your own. Like, you just gotta have you know, that pastor to interpret what you're reading for you. Um, no, read the scriptures for yourself and trust Christ. The worst thing I believe that I was being taught in that whole cult situation, as far as actual teachings outside of the sinfulness, but his own teaching was that our salvation was predicated on how, well, how good we are and that we needed our needed hands laid on us in order to be free of demons. Your sin isn't because you are demon possessed your sin is because of your own sinful heart and your heart needs to be changed. And that change is supernatural and it only comes from Christ. So turn to him. If you realize that you are dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness and, and you are dealing with night, you call spiritual warfare in those ways where you feel like you are uh, dealing with demons here, or demonic powers. Well, I tell you this, Christ is the answer to all of that. He's the answer to all of that. You know, and it's funny because um, in those situations, you have to always keep coming back for more. I remember going to churches and they lay hands on you and they give you a shot. They call it a shot. And you, you get this shot and you get filled and you have to go back next week to get refilled and come <laughs> back again and get refilled. And it's like when you're in Christ, there's only one time when he fills you with his spirit. 
one time, one time. And, you know, and so um, I would encourage them to trust Christ, you know, uh, study the word for themselves. And, it, and it's hard because when I was in that situation, I couldn't even recognize that I was in anything wrong. And I think that's the most, the scariest thing to me in anyone in a situation like that is because when you're in it, you don't, you, like you'll hear something like, you'll hear somebody like me saying these words or somebody like you saying those words. And it's like, well, what do you know? You know, like you could be wrong, you know? And so that's the scariest thing about me to me when somebody's in a position like that. It's like, I just, just plead with them to read the scriptures for themselves. And, and I pray that the spirit of the Lord will um, guide them to truth. So, I mean, this, this really, we're in a way we are surprised by it, surprised that people get caught up in these cults, in the false gospels, but really and truly we shouldn't be because it is actually right. given to us within scripture and that, that we are warned of these instances happening. So actually, I mean, you can even go to second Timothy uh, chapter four, verse three, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And that is what we are finding more and more is the gospel in America is the American dream. That is, that's what mm. we're promoting. We're promoting a bill of goods. We're exporting it to the poorest possible countries. I completely agree with everything that Jamal said. People, if you are within any of these teachings, we, we've talked about it so many times now that there is a distinct difference between a gospel of grace and a gospel of grace plus. Hmm. And that is what that is how you can tell the difference here. Grace says that there is absolutely nothing that you can do in and of yourselves to earn your way to heaven, that there is absolutely nothing that you can do that will not be seen as filthy rags before holy and just God. Amen. Other side, a gospel of grace plus says that there is something in you, in and of yourselves that earns your way to that. And that is not how it works. You are completely dead in your trespasses and in your sins. And apart from God, the Holy Spirit, working that miracle within your heart, transforming your heart from that heart of stone into a heart of flesh, you will not see the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus is referring to in John chapter three, whenever he says that you must be born again. And this is something that happens only of the spirit. People, I implore you to place your faith alone in Christ alone, who suffered and died upon a Roman cross, who rose from the dead three days later, that there is nothing in and of yourselves that you can do to earn this salvation, but by trusting in what he accomplished, he accomplished what you absolutely cannot accomplish. Place your faith alone in him. So Jamal, I want to give you uh, the floor one more time. I've enjoyed this conversation. I, I, I can, thank, I, thank I know how, I know how emotionally charged it can be. Oh yeah. I, I know the hurt that's associated with it. I know the hurt of having to dig back down deep and open up some of those fresh wounds. And I thank you so much for doing it. Prayerfully, of course, the, our hope is that we can always help out those who are caught up in this. And that, and, I, and that's, uh, my wife and I are in the process of going through foster classes now. And uh, it's a Christian organization. We had to sign a statement of faith uh, on what we believe. Mm. So we're excited about that. But the person who is doing the class for us is a pastor. And I gave a snippet of my testimony and my passion dealing with depression and suicide. It's something that I've struggled with before I was saved. It's something I still struggle with. Mm. And he asked me, I said, would you be willing to come into um, to speak on that at the church? And I was like, yes, absolutely. He was like, oh, that open yeah. to it? And I was like, yes, is is if we have been through something that is so hurtful, that is so damaging and there are souls at stake, I think we have a responsibility 
to, to open those wounds up for the sake of others. Amen. Um, so I want to give you a little bit more of a platform here. Where can we find your podcast? Uh, what is your podcast dealing with? I know it's found within your mission statement. Your episode on baptismal regeneration was phenomenal. I listened to it twice. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so I, I really liked it. Um, I seen that you had another one. Um, uh, was it was it speaking in tongues? Yes. Yeah. So I need to listen to that one. Uh, but tell us uh, uh, again about your podcast, where we can find it, uh, your website information, anything else that we need to know. Okay, great. Um, once again, I thank you so much for allowing me to share my heart and um and this experience with uh, with the listeners. And thank you, all who are listening to, for listening to this. Um, I'm sorry if I went in tangents and whatnot. Um, it's just a lot to try to bring out. But um, you can listen to the podcast on various podcast apps, uh, whether Android or iPhone, um, at Prescribing Truth Podcast, and the website is prescribedtruth.com. www.prescribedtruth.com. Uh, you can email me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Prescribed Truth Apologetics. And, um, and also found on Instagram and on Twitter. My Twitter handle is um, Bandy underscore Jamal. Uh, you should also be able to pull up on as Prescribed Truth as well. And on um, the podcast uh, right now, um, I've been going between dealing with the social justice issues and um, recently got into doing podcasts on baptismal regeneration and the, speaking on the gift of tongues because there was a recent debate that I got into or discussion, I like to call it, um, on YouTube with a gentleman who's a oneness Pentecostal. We had a discussion and based off that discussion, I did a podcast on that subject. Um, and then I did another one responding to some comments on that. So that's what we've been um, diving into lately. Um, but I just finished this whole, it was a series I did on dealing with this whole woke church stuff, controversy and all that. I did a series on um, early America and, and slavery and, you know, giving the, shedding some, some light on that. Because that's what I, when it comes to prescribed truth, that's what I, my slogan is, we distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. And so uh, regardless if it's something that's in the church or something that's going on in the, in the culture, I want to be able to deal with it. So I'm trying to find different avenues where I can shed light into. And, um, and I just thank, I thank God for a podcast like this one and, and others that I've come to know who just stick to the truth of God's word and actually addressing things in the culture and also bringing us back to the word. Well, man, once again, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you opening up those wounds. Know that that's difficult. You might not even sleep well tonight in some, <laughs> some regard. <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please feel free to visit, uh, again, strivingforeternity.org for what do they believe breaks down all of the cults. Uh, how do you identify a cult? That's a big question. Hopefully one day Andrew Rappaport will get on this podcast with me and stop jumping on airplanes going everywhere. <laughs> I'm sure that we can get him on soon. But Jamal, thank you once again for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so thankful for the truths that Jamal gave us. I'm thankful for him diving into such a difficult part, no doubt a difficult part in, in his past, but so thankful for the love and mercy of God and bringing him out of that. And if, if you were listening to this podcast and you have been in a cult such as the Mormons, Roman Catholicism, yes, Roman Catholicism is a cult and mm -hmm. a false gospel. Mm -hmm. please contact me. I would love to have you on. I would love to discuss it. Similar format. I think a lot of people would benefit from it. So ladies and gentlemen, this is James Watkins with the five solas podcast. We will see you next time and may all that you do be done to the glory of God.